Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. What you just heard in that video, read by different revolutionaries, is, as many of you, maybe all of you know, is called the Lord's Prayer. And I would guess everybody in the room or watching online, you've heard that prayer, you've you know, maybe quoted it, maybe grew up in a religious environment where it was like liturgy, the Lord's Prayer every single week in some way. Um, the Lord's Prayer, it's so famous, it makes appearances in, in cinema, in movies. There's a scene in one of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies where um, Aunt May is, is praying the Lord's Prayer as the Green Goblin breaks into the house. And it's a very dramatic scene. And she, she like, it, as she gets to the part, deliver us from evil, he breaks in. And it's just, uh, so we, we've heard Okay, we can take Aunt May off the screen. Um, but may, maybe we haven't thought about how amazing this short, simple prayer is. Because we, we talked about this some last week. If you've ever struggled with prayer and, and wrestled with, you know, how do I do this? And, and I, I just wish Jesus would show me how to do it. Like, teach me, Jesus, how, how to do this thing called prayer. Help me, train me in this thing called prayer a little bit more. What's so amazing is that's exactly what the Lord's Prayer is. And, and Luke, when he gives this account of it in Luke chapter 11, here's how he starts the story. He says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then right after that, Jesus lays out this prayer. So Jesus gives this prayer as a way to teach us to pray like this. And with each phrase he speaks, each phrase Jesus gives us, there's a deep theological truth to it, but also a very extremely practical truth. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at the the depth of the statements within the Lord's Prayer, but also the practicality of the statements as well. And I want to clear one thing up from from last week, and I even mentioned it again in the midweek video for those that are tuning into those Wednesday videos. But... um, I use this word formula when talking about prayer. I just kind of threw that word out, and I just want to clear it up here in the second talk that prayer is not about a formula at all. 
It's I think, like formula implies or presupposes that there's like, it's like a recipe. You can put these ingredients in and always get this outcome or something. Like that is not how prayer works. That is not how God works. So I think, you know, as I've prayer, like prayerfully reflected on what word would be a good word to describe what we're getting for prayer, this is, this is a better word, framework. We're, we're really getting a framework for how to pray from Jesus kind of a guide for growing in our prayer. And so we're going to move a little bit deeper into that today. Uh, But first, I want to pray for us, and I want to share a story that's going to bring last week and, and kind of tie it into this week. So let's just pray together. Father God, I just thank you for that truth from last week, that as we talk and pray and converse and communicate with you, that you're here, you're present, you're, you're listening, you're responding. Like we don't, I don't deserve that. And so in this moment, as uh, we just, I just commit everything on these pages to you. I just commit everything that would come out of my mouth that's not on these pages to you. And I ask that you would just work in my heart as you already are this week, but just um, take us a step forward in our prayer life as a church. As anybody that's watching, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, several years ago, our family was um, putting up our Christmas tree in the living room. And this was before Bentley. Bentley had not blessed our lives yet, so it was just a family of four. And, you know, we're doing this great thing, setting up the Christmas tree and letting the kids put all the ornaments on. And, um, and then, you know, it's just such a fun thing to do sometimes. This past year we had a little event. But anyway, this year uh, there was an event as well. And so, you know, we ran out of Christmas lights, so Aspen and I, we were going to go get some, um, some more lights at Dollar General. So we were going to take about two minutes to drive over to Because that's within any, you know, house in Cass County. You can get the Dollar General fast now. It's great. But um, so we're going to go get some more Christmas lights. So we go out to the car. I open the car door for Aspen. She gets in. I shut the car door behind Aspen. And I had failed to notice that her hand was up around the door frame. Yes, I shut all five of Aspen's six-year-old fingers in the back passenger side door of my silver PT cruiser. And you're like, how did he afford that as a pastor? That's another story, okay? Um, no. So I, I shut all of Aspen's fingers in the door. And I'm, like, I'm usually good in these moments. I'm okay with you know, helping the kids through. But I had just caused this pain. So I'm, I'm getting a little freaked out and frantic. And then I looked at her hand. All five fingernails are turning black. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm getting a little dizzy. Like, what, I, what did I just do to my daughter? So I pick Aspen up. I run her into the house. I'm like, Shauna, like, I just shut Aspen's hand in the door. Like, her fingernails are turning black. You got, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Come to find out, she actually had black fingernail polish on all of her fingers that was wearing off. So it looked like blood under the fingernails. It was actually fingernail polish. So I started to calm down just a little bit. But uh, Aspen's still crying. She's still in pain. I did shut her hand in the door, even though there's not, uh, they're not turning black. And, and Shauna, in the midst of this moment, <laughs> she says seven words that w- have lived in infamy in our family. Like we bring this story up once in a while to, to just talk about how fun it is to live together as the Cazello family. But she said seven words in the midst of my frenzy and frantic and frustrated attitude. She said, what did you shut the door for? And I said, 
because I always shut the door. Before I drive down the road, that's what I do. I shut every single door. If there's a door open in the car, I shut the door. And you know what? Everybody actually does that that I know. Like you shut the door before you drive down the road. And I think I walked out of the house at that point and she walked into another room. She was over my attitude. Come to find out what she meant by that statement was, why didn't you just let Aspen shut her own door and then she knows her hand. I interpreted it as, why didn't you just drive down the road with the door open? And so what we had in the midst of this emotional moment uh, was a failure to communicate. And, and now, eight years later, two kids later, two boys later, is how I should say that, our communication in these moments has gotten a lot better. It's like an ER at our house now. Like, we've been, we've been through it so many times with Bentley. Bentley skinned his knee the other day. I bring him in, and I'm like, we have a small asphalt laceration on the left patella. We're going to need three ounces of hydrogen peroxide, a damp medical cloth, and a Snoopy Band-Aid stat. And Sean is like... Five minutes later, he's outside. Not quite that good. But um, what, what I'm saying is, like, c- communication, it's something that my wife and I have grown in a lot over the years. Long way to go. <laughs> Long way to go. But we've grown a lot. And see, the truth about communication is it's, it's something we must continually work on and grow in. Communication is an art form. It's, it's something we can improve on and get better at. And we said this last week, if you were here, if you tuned in online, we said prayer is communication with your heavenly father. The basis of prayer is this. The Lord's prayer starts, our father in heaven. Prayer is relational, not transactional. It, it's, it's not so much about getting something from God as it is being with God. And I hope last week, man, I, if you've struggled with prayer or like there's been some like religious baggage that comes with prayer for you, like I hope last week freed us up, gave us liberty in prayer to know like it is communication with our Heavenly Father and maybe remove some of those religious dogmatic ways that we pray. But prayer, it's not about a formula. It's communicating with your Father. And if prayer is communication, it's not just talking, it's not just lobbing language into the air. If it's communication, then it's something we can work on and grow in. We can get better at this, we can mature, we can grow in this practice. So again, that's what we are doing. So let's keep going and let's get the next next phrase in the Lord's Prayer, the most famous prayer ever. As Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he says this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, it's, it's interesting, this word hallowed, it still shows up in modern translations of the Bible because we hardly ever use this word anymore, right? Unless you're talking about like a college football field. That's about the only time, like a hallowed ground or something. Like I never use this word in conversation. I've never referred to my wife as hallowed. Like, babe, you are hallowed. <laughs> I didn't write that in the Valentine's Day card a couple weeks ago. Uh, but single guys, feel free to try that word if you want to stay single <laughs> or marry like a really Christian girl, okay? Uh, but, uh, so, but it still shows up in modern translations like the NIV. That's the translation we're looking at in, in this theme that we're in. And I think the reason it still shows up is there's not like another, hey, there, I can see a little bit better. Thank you. Um, there's not like a, a, another modern equivalent to that word because the word means to treat something as sacred and ultimate. I can't think of another word that means to treat as absolutely sacred and ultimately holy, like a single word, hallowed. And, and maybe you're thinking, because this is what I used to think, doesn't this go against what we talked about last week? 
Like we talked about how prayer is relational. God is close. Our Father in heaven. God is our Father. And now we're talking about how he's so holy and sacred and big and ultimate and hallowed. And you're like, wait a minute. Are we talking to dad or are we talking to a deity? Because this is getting a little bit weird now. And it's all in the same sentence too. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'm here to say, like everybody online watching right now, everybody in the room, these two statements are not at odds with each other. Because I believe these statements, they're back to back in the Lord's Prayer to give us more of the fullness of God right at the beginning of this prayer. Because when we understand how personal prayer is, how relational prayer is, how God has made himself available as our Father, but we also understand that this same God that is our Father is hallowed. He's incredible. He's Lord, Master, great, strong, omniscient, omnipresent, creator of the universe. Like this is when our prayers can really grow. Like he, so he's our Father and he's to be treated as absolutely sacred and holy. He's our Father and he's hallowed. He's our Father and he deserves our worship and our adoration. And guess what? Jesus understood this. Like Jesus, he, he, he did not really wrestle with this idea. Like he, he talked with God as Father but also worshiped God. He even gives us this statement in John 4, 23 to kind of bring these two things together. He says, yet a time is coming, and it's now here, it's now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, it wasn't confusing for Jesus to refer to God as his Father, but also worship his Father because God is so much more than our Father. He's King, he's Creator, he's God. I mean, think about this too. The, the rest of the statements, and we're gonna look at all of them in the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. You know, uh, give us our daily bread. Those, are, those require power and greatness, right? Those prayers, answering those prayers, that requires God. And so right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is helping us capture the fullness of God. Both of these statements are so important because here, here's really the big idea for today. Our prayers will stall when our view of God is too small. If we only see God as Father and only see prayer as relational, our prayers will stop there. See, God is not who you think he is. He's always more than that. I'm gonna say that again. God is not who you think he is. He's always more than that. Doesn't matter how long you've been following God. Doesn't matter how much of his nature and character you think you understand and like memorization of verses about God or whatever. God is not who you think he is. He's always more than that. And our prayers will stall when our view of God is too small. God is our father and he's more than that. And, and something that, that he uses to help us understand that, he uses another word in the statement, hallowed be your name. See, God's name, or, or I should say names, can help us understand this a little bit more. Not completely, because we'll never understand it completely, but, but God's names can help open our mind and heart to this hallowed, hallowed word some more. 
We, we actually did a series in the Psalms last summer for those that were here for that or tuned in online. It was called Psalms of the Summer. In one of the weeks, we actually focused on Psalm chapter eight, verse nine that says, Lord, and, and anytime you see that show up, it's Yahweh, Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Anytime it's all caps, it's, it's Yahweh. Just God's name brings with it this command to be hallowed. Um, for those that don't know my name, I, have, I, you know, I used to say at the beginning of a lot of talks, and my kids made fun of me for this. This is probably why I stopped. Hey, I'm Anthony. I'm the lead pastor here at Revolution. Haven't been saying that. So my name's Anthony Cazello, for those that don't know. And um, I, I have a unique last name. Two Z's in it. You don't see a whole lot of names with two Z's unless you live in Italy probably. But um, we have a, and I, I've actually Googled my entire name before. Has anybody ever Googled your name? Be careful with that, right? You gotta be careful Googling your name. But I found out there was a priest in the 1800s that had my exact name, so I'm not the first Anthony Cazello. Had to do some real deep digging in Google for that. But uh, Cazello's a really unique name. And if you search the name Cazello in Facebook, you will find myself, my wife, my sister, and 25 profiles from my Aunt Mary. And I'm not sure exactly why Aunt Mary has so many profiles. I don't know if she's been hacked that many times or just likes to reset once in a while. But Aunt Mary, if you are watching this, I love you. And I'm friends with 10 of you right now. So, um, but, uh, but so there's, it's just me. And for the longest time, it was me, uh, my wife, my sister, and my Aunt Mary. I checked it again this week. Guess what? There's a new Cazello on Facebook. Fabio Cazello. <laughs> I'm not making this up. You can search it. So I think it's official. There is absolutely a cooler Cazello out there than me on Facebook. I mean, I'll just give it up. Fabio, I mean, you can't compete with Fabio Cazello, right? And as of Thursday, we're, we're Facebook friends. So, um, <laughs> so Cazello's a, a unique name. Like God's name, it's, it's like on another level. It's more than unique, right? It's unfathomable. It's, it's so big, it's, it's so amazing throughout history, we haven't been able to express all that God is in one name, so God's greatness is represented through more than 16 different names. And I asked the tech guys to try to fit these on one screen. Let's see if they got it, let's see if they're able to do it. Boom. Take a picture of that if you'd like. I mean, and, and research some of this later. Like, God, that Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Adonai, Lord, Master Yahweh, Lord Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. He's our Father, and He's so much more than our Father. God is not who you think He is, He's more than that. And even these 16 names cannot even come close to encompassing all that God is because language and letters will never come close to describing our God. And our prayers will stall when our view of God is too small. But when we start to understand this next phrase, hallowed be your name, it takes our prayers to another level of communication called adoration. That's what hallowed be your name is. It's, it's adoration, worship, praise, honor, glory. And, and listen, just as sometimes prayer might just end with our Father in heaven, I just need some relational time with God, sometimes prayer might end here 
with adoration, with God, you are amazing and, and you are holy and you are sacred and you are set apart and you are big and you just showed up big in my life. And here's why I say that and thank you for this and thank you, God, for working this out and thank you for all that you've been doing. Thank you for being an Imagine 320 God that does even more than I ask, think, or imagine. That's, that's prayers of adoration. And listen to these words from Tim Keller in his book about prayer. He says this. To hallow God's name is to have a heart of grateful joy toward God. And even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. Consider how different this is from the normal way we use prayer to get things. We may believe in God, but our greatest hopes and happiness reside in things. We therefore pray mainly when our career or finances are in trouble or when some relationship or social status is in jeopardy. While life is going smoothly and our truest heart treasures seem safe, it does not occur to us to pray. Seldom or never do we spend sustained time using prayer to adore and praise God. We know God is there, but we tend to see him as a means through which we get the things to make us happy. For most of us, he has not become our happiness. See, that's what, that's what prayers of adoration are about. Hallowed be your name. God, I'm good because I have you and I thank you and I praise you and you are my source for everything. And I choose to focus and trust and praise and adore and worship you. The next level of communication in our prayers or the next phase or the next you know, part of the framework is prayers of adoration. So last week, at the beginning, we started with this word right here. If you remember, for those that tuned in or those that were here, worry. And let's just say that this quarter here represents a worry. Represents a worry in, in your life, in my life. And, and, and this quarter, it's, it's really small in comparison to this vast room that we're in right here. For those that you know, are watching online that have never been to the campus here, I mean, it's like a six, 7,000 square foot room. It's a big room. This, so let's say this represents a worry. And, and I don't know about you, but, and, and we talked about like five different, like big worries, right? Finances. And so that's, I mean, this might be a, a job that you're worried about. This might be a relationship you're worried about. Uh, uh, health, someone that, you know, that, that's, been, that's sick in your family, your own health. So, but this is, this is something you're stressed or worried about. See, here's what I tend to do. When there's something that comes into my life that's a stressor or an anxiety or a worry, I'm so tempted to just focus on that worry and to, to bring it in a little bit closer. And it just starts to consume my vision, starts to consume my life to the point where, like, I'm just like, it, it really blurs what I can see. Like, this worry that's in front of me, I'm so focused on it and it has so much of my attention that I, I just can't see everything that I could normally see. I don't have this perspective that God wants me to have. And here's what I know about worries. See if you relate to this. One worry always brings with it more worries. So let's say I got another worry, whatever that worry is. And so I, I'm already, I'm struggling with this one. So this other worry comes along. And again, I'm so focused on this, but another worry. And so my, my perspective gets to this place where this is like all I can see are these stressors, anxieties, and worries in my life. But here's what prayer of, prayers of adoration do. They say, you know what? Yeah, this is going on in my life. But I'm not gonna focus on this. Mighty, that is who you are, God. Strong, that is who you are. Bigger than this worry, that is who you are, God. 
and I start to take my perspective off of my worry, set it to the side. It's still there. It's still something I'm going to have to work through and deal with, but my perspective is not there. My perspective is on the vastness of who God is, and God, you, you are greater than anything that is in me and anything that is in this world, and you are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are my God, and that's prayers of adoration take us to this place where we see the greatness of our God, and it begins to take the worries of this life and shrinks them down to nothing. And that's the power of prayers of adoration. So we're gonna, like sometimes prayers of adoration are are simply singing songs that bring glory to his name, that get our focus onto what it should be. And so I'm gonna hand this over to Nate and he's gonna help us with that. Um, So about a month ago, my wife spoke uh, during our Emotionally Healthy Disciples series, and she talked about the gift of limits. And uh, when she was preparing that talk, she, she wrote some lyrics um, that we thought about using and, and decided not to. But um, part, of, part of adoration in our family is we, we choose to have times where we just adore God together, whether it's singing songs around the piano or in the car. Uh, whatever it might be, like we just we, we try to have times of adoration together. And so um, last week we were we were doing that. We were singing some songs around the piano, and um, uh, we we came back around to these words that my wife had written. And um, as we were getting ready for this week, and I was going through Anthony's notes and stuff, it's it's it stood out how much um, how much there was there was a tie into this. Because you see, as you talk about like that worry that can take over our lives at times, and we talked about, we even sang about it earlier, fear doesn't have a chance, we stand in our love, we stand in his love, but sometimes it's hard to, to focus on that. And so we talk about all the time, worship is the means of, of removing those distractions from our minds. So no matter where we're, at, where we're at in our life, if we can put our focus back on God, he, he is able to deliver, he is able to provide so much more than we can imagine. And so we wrote this song um, based on that idea and we wanted to share it with you this morning. Just to feel to overflowing 
Yeah. 